Welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Today is our special guest day, where we will hear from a friend of the ministry who will share their insight and stories on truth in this chaotic world. And now your host, Richard Case. Well, good morning. Uh, This is uh, guest day, uh, and we have uh, Neil Weisenberger from uh, Chicago, Illinois, who's actually, uh, uh, I don't think that's Chicago. (laughs) Uh, Where where are you, Neil? Uh, We are, uh, well, right now I am in Union Pier, Michigan, which is about only about an hour and 15 minute drive uh, away from Chicago. So it's our little retreat. We call it Sanctuary House, uh, and uh, we're here in the woods and about a 10 minute walk to the beaches of Lake Michigan. So it's our little paradise. Nice, nice. I uh, got to know Kathy, I got to know Neil. Uh, uh, Linda and I shared our story about uh, Park Community Church up in Chicago. Yes, um, I remember and, that. And uh, when we became uh, senior pastors there, interim senior pastors, Neil uh, was one of the people that we got to know. Uh, and at the time we, we met him, he was single. Uh, and uh, he can share a little bit about his story about uh, praying through, and he got married. Uh, Linda and I married. He, uh, he and Kathy uh, oh, uh, in Chicago. Excellent. And uh, how many years have you been married now, Neil? Oh, 17 and a half now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, fantastic. Uh, so we were a part of that, and then uh, Neil and Kathy have continued to grow together, and uh, they're actually leaders in Living Waters that uh, do retreats actually at your uh, Michigan house there. Uh, so that's that's pretty exciting. So uh, Neil, you know, to uh, have you share a little bit about uh, your background, um, how how did you personally come to know Christ? Yeah, so that goes all the way back to high school, uh, age fourteen. Uh, I was involved in a uh, campus life youth for Christ group at my high school. Uh, I grew up in a kind of a more of a rural farming community in uh, Northwest Ohio, and uh, went to the same school under the same roof, kindergarten through 12th grade. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you don't hear that often. A very big roof, but uh, had 82 kids in my graduating class. And uh, I would say when I was in high school, probably 40% of the student body was going to Campus Life Youth for Christ meetings. So I grew up um, in, in a more of a mainline denominational church setting that was uh quite honestly kind of boring um <laughs> get a lot out of it um you know the messages basically on a sunday were you know be a good person and you're going to go to heaven type messages mm-hmm. yeah but yet there was something deep down inside me even as a child that that longed to know god and i remember being i don't know six seven years old maybe and just before I was going to sleep one night, just talking to God and just telling him that I wanted to see Jesus face to face. Mm. So even from a young age, I just feel like I've had a, a spiritual hunger for, for spiritual truth and, 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 and God. So, so it wasn't until I would say, um, you know, when I was in high school, age 14, uh, through Campus Life Youth for Christ, that they started talking more about, about the Bible and and the salvation message, and it it's, was something that resonated with me. And 
So we had a special event, um, which was a, a burger bash where we just like grilled out hamburgers and stuff at a friend's house who lives near the woods and stuff. And I just remember afterwards, I was kind of in the woods and I don't know, I was just sitting down against the base of a tree and uh, one of my classmates came up to me and they said, well, you know, well, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going home after this. <laughs> where are you going? And I was like, and I knew what the answer to that, what the meaning of that question was, you know, where was I going in terms of eternity? And, yeah. and it just led me to just like really start contemplating that question while I'm sitting there at the base of this tree. And, and that's when I prayed and asked God to, to take control of my life. And so that was kind of how it happened. Um, I will say that the remaining time I spent in high school, I would say that I didn't really start growing spiritually. Uh, that didn't happen until I went to uh, university. Uh, I went to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio for my undergraduate uh, studies. And uh, they had some really strong campus ministries um, there. And it was pretty much through uh, some of the campus ministries I got involved with that uh, really started, you know, seeing the importance of, of spiritual disciplines, you know, being in the word of God, in prayer, in worship, uh, those sorts of things. So I would say really my, uh, my spiritual growth really started taking off uh, during my university years. Oh, that's great. Um, what did you study in, in uh, undergraduate? Yeah, so uh, I always had an interest in international things. And this also goes back to high school. I had an amazing French teacher who brought a lot of the culture into the classroom. Uh, in addition to studying the language. And so one of the things that she did was uh, she sponsored five-week study tours of Europe. Mm. Uh, so I really wanted to go on one of those trips. So I got a job at a local restaurant and I saved every paycheck and paid for that trip out <laughs> of savings. And uh, so I did five weeks in Europe, uh, 10 countries. It just really opened up like such a new world to me, you know, growing up in the middle of, you know, cornfields and pastures with black angus steers around me you know and, and <laughs> in these major amazing beautiful cities you know of europe and you know seeing the architecture learning about the history and the culture and it really uh fascinated me so i decided i wanted to study something international along international lines in university so my undergraduate degree um, is in international studies uh, with a focus on western european studies I also wound up coming just two hours short of a French degree as well. Oh, wow. uh, Are you fluent in French then? I was. Okay. Not so much now. Uh, a little more difficult to practice, but um, but I did. Uh, one of the things that I didn't mention is as part of my studies, I did transfer out of Miami University uh, for my junior year, and I did a junior year abroad program at the American University in Paris. Ah. Oh, excellent. So, when I lived in Paris that year, it got to the point where I was dreaming in French, I was thinking in French. Uh, so I really had a really good handle, I believe on the language, but mm -hmm. um, where I do continue to have an opportunity to use my French today is mostly in uh, some missions work that I've been doing, uh, particularly in the country of Haiti. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I've uh, you know, been down to Haiti, I think it's been now eight times since the uh, earthquake, uh, the main earthquake back in 2010. <laughs> Um, and they, uh, you know, the official language of Haiti is French, uh, you know, the 
so a lot of the people speak French, they speak Creole, which is kind of a, a version of French and uh, some West African language. Um, so I've never had an issue communicating with the locals when I go. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, little did I know that my French would be used, uh, you know, for humanitarian, you know, relief, you know, post earthquake in a, in a, a pretty bad country like Haiti. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us um, uh, then, uh, how did you wind up in Chicago? Uh, and then how did you uh, meet Kathy uh, and decide to get married? And you can tell us a little bit about Kathy, her, you know, her career. She's, uh, she has to, she's a orthodontist. So she's uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, straightening out teeth today. So she could, she could join <laughs> us. Uh, we'll have her, we'll have her back on. But uh, once you tell us that story, how did that, how did that go? Yeah. So I wound up coming to Chicago, uh, uh, due to a job transfer. So I guess maybe for the benefit of, uh, of your audience, you know, my, my whole career that I chose after, uh, after I graduated uh, is in international banking. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've done a combination of, mostly it's been uh, financing international trade transactions, um, you know, with US, for US-based uh, companies that are importing or exporting. Uh, but I've also had about nine years of experience as well in international treasury management, uh, where I worked for a couple different global banks, uh, you know, setting up bank accounts around the world for their subsidiaries and, you know, handling all of their international payments and collections and, and, and investing excess cash, uh, those, those sorts of things. So it's been a really rewarding uh, career, um, particularly I got to actually do something that I actually studied, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> So, because uh, I also went on and got an, I have an M an MBA as well in international management. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so um, so I was actually working for a bank uh, in Detroit, Michigan, at the time before I moved to Chicago, and they had an office in Chicago, and uh, so I had an opportunity to transfer to the local office in Chicago. And uh, moving to Chicago, I, I had I was a familiar with a, a couple different churches before I moved. Um, one being Park Community Church, uh, and the other was a, a ch actually a church up in Evanston, Illinois. And so I kind of had the decision to make, you know, do I want to live in the suburbs or do I want to live in the city? And I'm right. like, well, in, a, in a, an amazing city like Chicago, I want to live in the city, you know, yeah. being a single guy at the time as well. So, uh, so I started going to Park Community Church, and it was uh, a rather interesting church in the sense that I had many friends like, oh, well, do they have a singles group at Park Community Church? And I'm like, no, largely because we were probably 80% single. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were the singles group. The church was the singles group. <laughs> so I would tell people, it's like, yeah, we don't have a singles group, but we do have a married couples group. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it really actually was a really good place for me to land because I didn't know anybody when I first moved to Chicago. I didn't have one friend that had lived there and so it gave me an opportunity to uh, meet a lot of people, uh, make a lot of friends. Uh, it was a really good, you know, source of community uh, and a point of engagement uh, for me. So, uh, so I had met Kathy, my wife, very early on after I moved to Chicago. Now I'm going to guess it's probably about 25 years ago. And um, but we kind of had some di different social circles, and I mean, I knew her name. I knew enough that if I passed her in the hallway at church, I'd be like. Yeah. You know, hey, Kathy, how you doing? And you know, there's, you know, there's that kind of a, of a connection, if you will. Yeah. More acquaintance than anything at that point. Yeah. 
exactly exactly so uh so anyways fast forward a number of years and we had a common friend uh abby jill who basically uh thought that we would be good together so she approached me <laughs> about uh about you know if i would have any interest in getting to know kathy and uh so i, I never have and I never felt comfortable like with matchmaking situations because I always felt there was this pressure to perform and, um, you know, to make something happen. And so I told her like, you know, we'll just take it easy, you know, just let's just organize some kind of a small brunch after church one Sunday and invite a few people. So, uh, so we did that and I just had an opportunity to sit next to Kathy. And so we talked a lot and then that, uh, this was kind of funny. She, uh, asked me if I would be, would be interested in going to uh, a fundraiser for a local uh, community shelter. And so I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. And so she said she had a few other people that were going to go. So then, <clears throat> then what happened was at the last minute, everybody else bailed. And, and, it be <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, ha we had such a fun time and uh, that we went I dropped her off at her at her uh, at her house, af you know, afterwards. And so we talked about, well, let's get together again. And so I had a fairly busy travel schedule, a lot of it being work related, and she had some travel stuff going on. And so we basically like put down, I think, I don't know, two or three different dates to get together at some point over the next month or so, you know, kind of thing. So, so yeah, so that's how we started hanging out and getting to know one another and, um, I had uh, I had never really dated much as a single guy, um, largely because a, a church I was involved with uh, shortly out of college was rather uh, uh, um, it was just not a good place in a lot of ways. I mean, in some ways it was really good, but th there were some toxic elements to this church. And one of the things that I was told as as a single man is that you know dating is not biblical. So, you know, so I'm just a young guy who's loving God and wanting to, you know, do the right thing. And so I, I was misled in a lot of ways by the leadership of that, of that church. And mm. I never dated um, because to get married, you, I had to get a, a word from God. And then I had to submit that, you know, for a particular single woman. And then I had to submit that to the leadership in the church and they had, they would either yay it or nay it kind of thing. Right. Mm. So, so anyways, so I never got my word. <laughs> and so by the time I exited that church and moved to Detroit, I was getting into my, oh, I was probably around 34, something like that and never dated. And so the church I wound up in, in Troy, Michigan was, uh, you know, was a great church and it was a very healing place for me in many ways. And, uh, they had a, an awesome like singles group there and I made so many great friends and I was kind of like looking around me and I'm kind of like, ah, oh, there's like normal people here. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, so I, I'd spent probably around three years in the Detroit area um, before moving to Chicago. So, you know, so here I am and I'm, I'm at the point where I'm busy in my career. You know, I've got a lot of friends and, you know, I'm content at this point in my singleness and, you know, so anyway, so I tell that story because early on when Kathy and I were were dating, I basically confessed to her that I'm a dating moron. 
say something, I don't say something, um, don't necessarily, you know, take that at face value. Just come to me and talk to me and let's, you know, if, if there's anything that you have concerns about or what have you. So anyway, so she was very gracious and very patient with me, um, I would say during our dating process. But uh, it got to a point, though, uh, where I knew that, uh, you know, we had dated long enough that I knew that we either needed to take that next step or we needed to somehow graciously kind of move our own, you know, on our own separate paths. So at that point, I actually uh, engaged Rich and uh, I sat down. <laughs> Uh, in a meeting with him and I asked him, I, I said, well, hey, Rich, you know, I'm like, you know, I've been dating this girl, uh, Kathy, and, you know, it's going pretty well. And, um, you know, but it's at that point where, like, it needs to either take the next step toward marriage or, you know, we need to part our ways. And so he's like, well, so how's it going? I'm like, it's going really well. He's like, so what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> You know, so I think I just, I just needed a confirmation of that from somebody in my life, you know, that, that I respected. And uh, so Rich paid, played that role, um, you know, for me, um, that sounding board, and which I'm still, you know, obviously today, very grateful for. But uh, so then we, uh, you know, we started going through some premarital counseling with Rich and Linda. And, and as Rich had mentioned earlier, he, uh, he wound up performing our wedding ceremony uh, 17 and a half years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, that's great. Tell, tell them uh, uh, a little bit, uh, you know, uh, you had a, such a unique venue uh, when we did your wedding. Tell, tell them a little bit about that because that was really cool. Yeah, so um, we actually, the, the ceremony itself was at an old, uh, an old church on LaSalle Street in downtown Chicago called LaSalle Street Church. Yep. Uh, it's an old kind of a graystone, beautiful architecture, um, you know, on the outside. Uh, so that's where we had our ceremony. And then we had our reception at the 311 South Wacker building, which is right next to the Willis Tower. Yeah, Sears, the old Sears Tower, what they call the Sears Tower. Oh, wow. 110 okay. stories high, so. Mm. so this, uh, the space where we had our reception was uh, a winter garden atrium in this office tower, probably around, I don't know, this has to be maybe a 60 to 70 story office tower. And so it has like, you know, had all these you know, live palm trees in there and it had this huge like water fountain feature and and whatnot and uh oh, it, it sounds was, beautiful it was a really really great place for uh you know for our uh, wedding reception and um you know they have a there was a restaurant on site there so they did all the catering for the you know for the meal and, and we had a i think a 12-piece band that played yeah and, you know, so it was uh it was really fun but I'd say probably one of the most memorable parts of it was when they introduced us. <laughs> we we they introduced us as we rode down the escalator. You're right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> in the that's lobby. great. In the, in, the, in the lobby, it was uh, it was really spectacular. I remember. That. I can still remember that. I can still picture that. Uh, it was such a cool time. Um, well, tell tell us a little bit about uh, Kathy. Uh, you know, she's a orthodontist. You know, tell her about her about her practice. Yeah, so uh, Kathy's, uh, gosh, she's been in this practice a long time. Um, she's, uh, she's a partner. Um, she has a, a senior partner in the practice as well still. Um, so it's uh, in one of the suburbs, uh, a suburb of Chicago called Oaklawn. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's interesting about her story and how she chose her career is that when she was growing up 
in one of the Chicago uh, suburbs. Her next door neighbor is who her senior partner is. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Oh, that's great. Babysit his kids and, you know, and she knew at a, at a fairly young age that she wanted to become an orthodontist. So she actually started working in the practice when she was 16 years old, working as a dental assistant. Wow. You know, a couple days a week kind of thing. And uh, so then she went on to uh, University of Illinois for her undergrad and University of Illinois Chicago for dental school and then Loyola University for, for uh, her orthodontics school. So, but yeah, she's, uh, she absolutely loves what she does and she's brilliant and one of the smartest people I know. <laughs> uh, that's uh, so a, little, sweet uh, a little side note. Um, my dad was a, uh, a dentist oral surgeon. Uh, <clears throat> And he graduated Neil from the University of Illinois, Chicago. <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, really, really interesting. Uh, and I worked, um, interesting enough, as a dental assistant. Uh, and I would go to surgery with my dad because uh, he was a he was a specialist in doing these uh, very difficult cases in uh, oral surgery uh, mm -hmm. for for people. And I would go to surgery with him because he wanted me to become uh, a uh, surgeon. Take over the family and uh, the family practice, family business. Yeah, and, blood, and blood didn't bother me at all. So, you know, I, I went and evaluated it and looked at it. And basically, <laughs> you know, for, me, for my personality, as opposed to Kathy's, who's extremely detailed during like my dad, um, my approach to surgery would be, oh, that's close enough. Good name. <laughs> Uh, my dad said, no, that one, that's not going to work too well, you know, so, hey, hey, son, you know, go do something else, you know, you, you, you're not going to make it as a surgeon, uh, but it, uh, a dentist is a pretty neat life, so it's uh, beautiful, because you, because she does have time off, and you guys kind of organize it so you can go up to Michigan, right, for your uh, weekends. Yes, yes, it's, uh, you know, it's so close of a drive for us to get here from Chicago, it's uh, like about an hour and 15 minutes uh, with good traffic, and you know, so it, it's really conducive to spending weekends here and, you know, even being able to spend Sunday evenings and get up and, you know, drive back, you know, for jobs on Mondays. Right. Because uh, mm -hmm. there's an hour time difference that's kind of in our favor, uh, you know, going back, you know, so. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a blessing. Yeah. Oh, great. you crossed the timeline going back. Well, that that is kind of convenient, right? <laughs> yeah. So tell us uh, about your, uh, 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 Kathy and I have, have uh, talked about uh, abiding. Um, what does that look like for you? Uh, what what uh, specifically, how do you abide uh, and process through uh, listening and hearing and, and uh, following God? And then we'll talk uh, uh, separately about you two coming to uh, understand God's will through unity and taking step by step. We'll talk about that in a second. But First of all, just talk about, about your uh, relationship with God. How does that work in terms of your intimacy and abiding? Yep. You know, um, I would say that, uh, you know, the time that we've spent, um, you know, through Living Waters, um, you know, just processing a lot of what Rich and Linda have shared with us over the years uh, has been very revolutionary, I would say, for my mm -hmm. walk. Um, there was a point where, you know, earlier in my Christian walk, um, a lot of, I would say, my relationship with God, it was, it was 
it was more in the head, mm-hmm. yeah, right, as opposed to in the heart. Mm-hmm. And to me, that, that's a huge difference because when you talk about you know having a relationship with God, I mean, a relationship is not something that's intellectual. <laughs> you know, it's emotional, it's interactive. Um, you know, so I would say too that so as a result of that, when I would look at you know how how I would approach my time you know, in the word of God, it was more of an intellectual exercise, I would say. Yeah. I'll be very honest with you. To me, it was very dry. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of like, like I wouldn't get a whole lot out of it. Um, you know, it was obligatory. Kind of check in the box. Yeah. You know, it's like, I know that this, I, I'm supposed to be doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was very much work oriented rather than yeah I just want to spend time with Jesus Mm. you know and so I would say one of the things that you know so we went through the uh you know the abide retreat uh that Rich and Linda offered I think Rich correct me if I'm wrong but I think we were part of maybe the original abide retreat in Napa that was um one of the when we come back to start we had done them in Europe uh uh, several years in a row, and then we we started uh, through God instructing us. We'll start doing them in the United States. Um, one of the first ones we did was in Napa. Uh, so, how just, many years ago was that? Any idea? That would have been right right after they uh, got married. Uh, a little bit right right after they got married. Uh, in, Probably 2005, 2006. Yeah. Maybe. Wow. Yeah, and Neil's a uh, a wine connoisseur. Uh, partly we got of his out of his uh, European uh, work as he he, le- <laughs> he learned how to really enjoy good wine uh, and taste it and, and uh, teach us you know so he actually uh, was part of that but he we went to a vineyard uh, opus one when we went out there uh, and mm-hmm. did this uh, uh, abiding retreat uh, in Napa at, with opus one and yeah you were you were part of that group it was, it was and Denny remember Denny Weinberg was part of that group so yeah. oh wow. Is that the first retreat Denny was at as well? Denny had gone to a, a, a European retreat. Oh, that's uh, right. Okay. Where he had where he had learned how to. Uh, <laughs> uh, God had to work with him on Christ clutter in the calendar because <laughs> he got, he ran into a into a wall out there. But uh, uh, yeah, he came up to uh, 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 Napa. He's the one that knew the uh, vine dresser at Opus One. Uh, got us in. Oh, there. really? So, yeah, it was, okay. pretty, it was pretty cool. That's excellent. That was uh, that retreat was really instrumental for me. I mean, you know, we would spend the morning kind of just spending time in the Word and you know, studying you know the concepts about you know, abiding, you know, particularly John chapter fifteen. Yeah. And then in the afternoon, we would we had a couple of on a couple of days we had you know some tours set up at some local wineries in Napa Valley and and just going through the tours and hearing you know like the winemaker talk about everything they do you know, in the, in the, in the vineyard to do nothing but to try to create the most optimal fruit right. that I can. <laughs> mm. And just, just giving very examples about, you know, how they do that. And it just, to me, it was like, it gave so much more insight into what we were studying in the mornings. Yeah. God. So I'll give you an example. Like, like one of the, one of the winemakers talked about how they don't irrigate their vines. Um, and because it's more of a dry, drier climate, out in Napa, um, you know, the vines, you know, they like to, they like to stress the vines 
you know, from a water standpoint, because when the vine, but not over, but not overdo it, right? To, to, to the point where it, it kills the vines. Yeah. Uh, because during the time when they're being stressed, the roots of, 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 the, uh, of the vine are, are going deeper down through the rocky soil mm. to find water and, you know, to, to, to sustain itself, right? So, I mean, that would be like one example, right? That like totally, like, like I was like, wow, that's like so amazing because like how many times do I get, you know, go under, undergo stress in my life and, you know, are my roots going down deeper, you know, right. during, right? That's As, good. So anyways, um, so I would say, you know, the difference I would say for me after going through the whole abide retreat was my, my whole approach to spending time in the word of God was went from an obligatory thing to I'm on a treasure hunt. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so now, like when I go to the word of God, it's like, Oh, wow. I know that God wants, can speak to me through his word. So, you know, what is, what, what's God going to show me today? What's he going to speak to me? Today? You know, and it, it's, to me, it's, there's an excitement now. And the, the, it's, it's life giving time to me now, rather than just being something that's just, you know, an exercise in futility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah. For me, that was revolutionary. Yeah. So the, uh, Rich, the other thing uh, that was very revolutionary for me was, uh, uh, was your uh, your teaching on the covenant right mm. to me that was super foundational um to know what god's story is with mankind yeah. and we're part of that story um you know and to see how i fit into that story and mm-hmm. to me that was so foundational i mean i've i've heard teachings on the covenant in the past but nothing to the extent where it was like woven like old testament into the new into the new covenant mm-hmm you know, and, and, you know, who I am in Christ today and, 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 you know, what God's promises are to me through his covenant, um, you know, and, and I can stand on those promises, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, standing on a rock. Right. How is that? uh, Go ahead, Kathy. I was just going to say, you know, as a business guy, what is your, you know, for other businessmen listening and thinking, you know, I, I want to be spending time that feels alive in God's word. And we spend a lot of time talking about abiding, but what does it look like for you? You know, how do you carve out? Is there a certain time you like to do it? Do you enjoy the journaling process more? Do you do things, you know, do you like the cross-referencing? What's, what's the way that it comes alive to you? Yeah. So, you know, to me, abiding is, it's, 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 well, spending time in the word is, is obviously important mm-hmm. there's there's more to abiding than just that it's yes it's you know it's prayer it's you mm-hmm. know just in communal contact with god just having him in my thoughts uh mm-hmm. you know the day um for me also um just spending time in worship um i'm very i'm very much um inspired by 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 worship music and mm-hmm. i at park community church i was part of the worship team there so that you know kind of comes a little bit more naturally to me perhaps than maybe others but but god just to me it's like there's just something about just being able to 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 you know to sing praises to mm-hmm. god and in that regard um you know really helps me draw really near really near to mm-hmm. god so i i think it's a combination of all three practices 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously it's, it can be hard, you know, at times to, to, to get in the time. And, you know, I'm not saying that I'm hundred, you know, I'm not the best example of doing it right all the time, but, you know, but when I do, it's like, it's, it's just mm-hmm. so, so fruitful. And, um, you know, yeah, you know, we have this, cho- you know, this choice to, you know, walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh or, you know, be in the kingdom mm-hmm. or, and then it's so easy to get distracted sometimes, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, by, by busy schedules, by, um, you know, it, just the craziness of life. And, you know, so I always kind of have a good bellwether of whether I'm really abiding or not, because mm-hmm. you know, if I'm not walking in, in peace and joy, um, I know that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty good indicators, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's just a matter of, you know, when I do come to that realization that boy, yeah, boy, I, you know, I, I haven't been abiding like I should. So, but mm-hmm. it's always that, you know, choice of wanting to step back into it. Right. And right knowing that I have a loving father that's just like welcoming me back. Yeah. And I love even that you highlight that it's not, you know, abiding isn't, you know, like from what your background, there was so much of a checklist involved. Instead, it's more of a 24 seven intimacy that you're weaving in and word worship and prayer throughout your day, throughout things that you're going in. And yes, there's specific time to be spent hearing from him in his word, but there's so much more depth to it throughout the day as well, that that's an important element. So another thing that this is kind of uh, kind of funny, but like one thing that you know during when I get caught up in the busyness of my workday, right? Um, one thing that I that I employed pretty successfully is uh, there was an app that I found called Mind Jogger. Mm. Every so often, it would like my 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 phone will chime, right? So that jogs my mind to turn my turn my turn my thoughts toward God. Oh, I love that! What a great idea! And uh, and I've also used it to like you know, to whenever I hear the, you know, the chime or whatever, it's also reminds me like, you know, well, what am I, what am I, what can I thank God for, you know, in my life, mm-hmm. right? So it's always kind of a reminder to, to be thankful on a regular basis too. Yep. Mm. Yep. And as you've described the, uh, you know, the importance of the covenant, um, talk about that re- relative to you and Kathy uh, seeking God's will uh, and how do you approach it out of, out of the covenant uh, to, then get to specifics. Uh, Kathy and I, have, in our discussion, uh, have been talking about step by step. It gets too specific. It's not generic. Uh, it starts with promise covenant, but it but it goes too specific. How do you how do you two receive that, and how do you process that? Yeah. So I think uh, probably one of the biggest relationship killers is selfishness, <laughs> <laughs> right, where I'm going my way and. Kathy's maybe going her way. And um, so to me, the whole aspect of unity is, is really key uh, to have a healthy marriage. Yep. It means dying to self um, mm-hmm. and our own desires. And um, so that to me has probably been, I would say one of the keys to our having a good and happy marriage is we always are looking out for the other person's interest above our own. Um, so I think, uh, you know, so when it comes to like, you know, a key decision, you know, that you have to make, I mean, 
And Rich, this is something that we learned from you early on too. It's like, you know, we have to come to a point of neutrality. Right. Mm -hmm. right? And yep. that's part of, you know, bearing our cross, if you will, in my opinion, you know, yeah. where we're crucifying our, our own desires, our own self will, um, you know, for the, for the betterment of, you know, of the unity of the marriage. So, but, you know, but I think, you know, if, if you're making decisions, you know, key decisions in your, in your marriage, that are impacting, you know, both husband and wife, it's like unity is so key. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And do you have any examples of, uh, how that's worked for you guys, uh, in terms of how you've approached it and how, how, how did you process that to come to God's will? Yep. So, um, so we're going currently going through. A, uh, we're trying to sell our 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 home in downtown Chicago. Mm. Uh, so very early on, Kathy in our marriage, Kathy's like, "You tell me when you know, you know, if when you want to move to the suburbs." Because there's one particular suburb that my wife has wanted to live in for a very very long time, <laughs> and it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place. And um, so, anyways, but I'm just like, I'm a city guy. <laughs> So it's kind of like, you know, she's kind of has this dream to go to the suburbs. I'm kind of like, well, my whole life's in the city, right? It's like, you know, if, if I move out to the suburbs, I might as well move to Iowa. <laughs> you know, because it's like, I don't, I don't know anybody out in the suburbs. You know, it's like all my entire relationship circle is in the city. And, you know, so 25 years, you know, of, of relation mm -hmm. and whatnot. So anyway, so. Um, we, you know, just got to that point where, I don't know, we just started processing because, you know, I'm, I'm probably a few years away from, you know, making a big transition in my career to, to doing something outside of international banking and, you know, and what does that look like and practically and financially and whatnot. So, so we both, you know, kind of prayed together about this decision, you know, should we put our house on the market? You know, should we, you know, make a move out to the suburbs where we could buy something very nice for a lot less money um, kind of thing. And uh, so I think, you know, we both just kind of went to neutrality and processed it and um, kind of both came back with a piece, you know, confirming that, yeah, this is seems to be a right decision. So, um, you know, so, you know, there, we're, we still haven't sold our home yet, but, you know, we're that's this has been a little bit of a process it's been kind of an kind of with covid and everything it's just been kind of mm. you know not the normal market if you will um you know for real estate in downtown chicago so um but we're uh you know we're on a journey and you know there's uh trying to find the what the value is in, in the waiting game <laughs> the, mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, and one of the things we talk about is in that process that that is the invitation to intimacy to continue to ask him questions. Okay. What, what about now? And what do you yeah. have? What's in this? And so that's going to be fun to hear how he leads you in the midst of this time period. You know, I've got, I've got a piece about it, you know, I mean, yeah, it'd be great mm -hmm. to get on with our life, the next stage, but you know, but I've got a real piece with kind of where we're at right now. And it's like, mm -hmm. and I've got a that you know it's like god god knows the bigger picture you know i, mm -hmm. I and um you know so he could be protecting us from ourselves at this point <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. and as you as you approach it um talk about the step-by-step -step, uh, part of it uh that you, you came to a, a unity a confirmation 
but now it's walking, what we call walking into the promise. Um, describe that step-by-step -step process that you and Kathy follow. Um, the walking into the, into the promise? Yeah, yeah, as you, as you now have to look at decisions and ultimately, you know, sell your house and then look for a new one and et cetera, et cetera. So you don't just say, well, God, you know, take care of it and we'll see you later. How do you, how do you stay engaged in the process? <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, that dialogue with God on a regular basis, right? It's like, okay, so like, okay, God, I'm like today, I'm like, I'm impatient, <laughs> you know, and, and like, and confessing that, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, and like, so like, I need you to restore some peace to me because I'm not at peace right now. Yeah. And, you know, so it's that, it's that ongoing interaction dialogue. And I mean, I need to do that. Kathy needs to do that too, you know, and, you know, we need to be talking about these things too. Like, well, how are you feeling about this? And, you know, and, and how are you being impacted by that? And, you know, so, you know, and it's even, you know, things like some of the decisions that we have to make too. And, you know, about, you know, well, should we do a price reduction? Should we you know, do this? And so, you know, we're, we're obviously working very closely with our realtor um, there and, and, you know, kind of relying on her expertise uh, in the market. Um, you know, so, but, you know, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's talking about what she's recommending and, you know, and then discussing that and, you know, coming to that point, of, you know, to a point of unity. And, you know, if, if, if we do have a difference of opinion, then, you know, we need to talk it out and, you know, dive a little deeper. Like, well, why are you, why are you, where's your heart at? And why are you thinking this? And yeah. where's my heart? Yeah. It's, it's some of those kind of things. Yeah. It's, it's communication, I think, along the way. Yeah. Is Beautiful. Um, and uh, Neil, what, what, uh, uh, in your work right now, what are you actually doing? Um, who do you work for and what, what are you actually doing in that work? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I work for, uh, for Wells Fargo. Uh, I've been there for a little over eight years. Um, I'm working, uh, covering a lot of, a lot of territory right now, actually. So I've got most of the, uh, most of the upper Midwest stretching down into actually down into Kansas. Um, about a little over a year ago, I had a, a colleague who retired. And uh, so I picked up the States of Tennessee and Florida on top of that. And uh, I'm focused on, on what we call middle market size companies. So think maybe, uh, I would say in general, maybe a hundred million to 2 billion in sales uh, is kind of the target range of the companies that I'm, I'm working with. Uh, but so, you know, I, I'm, I'm going out and meeting with, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, corporate executives uh, at, you know, the U.S. headquarters level and talking to them about their international trade needs and how does that impact their, I'm going to get technical here as a banker, but, you know, how does that impact your working capital? And <laughs> how can we, how can we, you know, find solutions to mitigate risk, you know, in cross-border trade as well as, you uh, you know, have positive impact on, on a company's working capital, be it through collecting their receivables quicker or extending out their foreign payables to their vendors overseas, those sorts of things. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Uh, and you're enjoying it, I know, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, as much as one can enjoy corporate America. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get the privilege of uh, kind of uh, working remotely, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, I always have had some flexibility in my job even before COVID, but, you know, with COVID, we're completely remote and, uh, 
Yeah, I'm still working remotely right now, so hence why I'm here in Michigan on a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, taking a taking a little break from my work day. Yeah. That's not a bad office view you've got right there. <laughs> you might see the occasional deer pass behind me. <laughs> <laughs> you, or wild. You get the uh, you get the uh, uh, bow and arrow out and uh, <laughs> get some venison and turkey or uh, probably not right. I'm not a hunter. Okay. <laughs> well, Neil, we've really enjoyed uh, having you and uh, having you share your story of uh, abiding and you and Kathy and coming together. It's been been wonderful to see God lead you uh, mm -hmm. together. And I know you have a, a really a spectacular marriage. You guys have a great joy together great adventure coming up uh, of uh, all the things that are next and God is leading you and, and you're following. Uh, what a great example. So we, uh, we just uh, admire that and, and uh, so appreciate that. So, and we're glad that you give it away. So uh, thank you for being part of this and we'll look forward to coming back and having Kathy join us and uh, she, she tell us her, her side of the story of how you guys, how you guys, Absolutely. How, how you dated. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty, pretty fun. So uh, uh, we'll uh, have you back. Thanks for coming. And Kathy, we'll, uh, we have uh, End Times Friday uh, tomorrow. Oh, uh, excellent. Yes. And, and then we pick up uh, God's Will again next week. So uh, we're excited, excited for that. And uh, Neil, have a great time there in uh, Michigan. And tell Kathy we said hi and uh, look forward to seeing her soon. Great to see you, Neil. Take care. All right. All right see you soon. Welcome to Come and See your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See, your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.